Hey, good afternoon. Greetings and hello, loved ones, the beloved of our souls. Uh, thanks for coming to the session. We're, we're really honored uh, that you're here and just amazed. And I hope that this uh, time that you've already had since 9 a.m. this morning, um, our prayer is just, oh, I just hope the Lord is just exploding in your hearts in a, in a way. And, you're just, there's, yes, there's a renewal and refreshment happening, but also creative ideas and innovation, um, these different things exploding. I hope you're taking notes, and I think that, uh, I think events like this are, are not great because truth and wisdom oozes off of a stage. I think these, idea, these conferences are great because it, it gives us the chance to stop and, and just listen to the Lord, you know, and... Uh, my father, I, I have a great father-in-law. He, he's kind of a radical. He always just says, when a true apostolic voice is speaking, you don't really even hear what they're saying, but you're just being flooded with stuff from the Lord. You know, and uh, so I hope that there's a bit of flood happening when a true apostolic voice speaks like, like Mia. <laughs> but um, it's an Australian accent. It makes everything more powerful. <laughs> it's true. No doubt about it. Um, this is uh, songwriting, and uh, you guys, you don't even understand how amazing, how I f feel right now to have these friends up here. Um, they need no introduction, but I will introduce them. This is Mia Fields from Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> uh, and Mia, just a, just, sh oh boy. I'm going to split them up. Uh, Mia, there was like, it was eight years ago or so that I was feeling a bit discouraged in my own writing and wondering what the future held for me. And I was being vulnerable with Mia when I, we just for, first met, actually. It was at an event we were doing. And she just said, well, let, let, me, let, me, let me in. Let me help. Let me. And like pretty much, pretty much she was emailing, like, when can I come to town? And and she was one of my first ever real true experiences with collaboration and co-writing and because Mia is just fierce and just doesn't, you know, doesn't take a closed door as meaning anything. Um, she just blows through it. I mean, who else moves from Australia by herself and moves to Nashville? And she's just fearless. And, um, and she has a little EP called Fearless, the plug plug, um, <laughs> which is amazing. But uh, me and I have written a lot together, and she's just really one of the best writers I've ever known. She's a lyrical gangster, and uh, she she's like, she lays out a smore, yeah, I mean, any of these guys will tell you, writing with Mia, she's just, um, she just sits there with a laptop, and she just lays out just a smorgasbord spread of ideas of lyrics, and you're like, oh, how about this? And she's like, how about this? No, nope. how about this? How about this? How about this? How about this? You have like six options with Mia, and you just pick one of them, and you're pretty good to go. And, uh, so she's just also a dear friend and to new life and to us and love Mia Fields and you all probably, you all know songs that she's been a part of and obviously movements that she's been a part of uh, with Hillsong, but she's also just planted an incredible church in Nashville, Tennessee called The Belonging. Uh, her and uh, friends of, of hers, they planted that church and it's just exploding. Uh, how, two years old? Yeah, like a year and a half. A year and a half old and just multiple services, but uh, just a lot of impact in the city. Um, so Mia Field. This is Corey Asbury. This, Corey Asbury is one of our own. It's 
this is Jason Ingram. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. Corey, Corey and I, we, we are shoulder to shoulder every day. We work together, we're on the team together. And Corey um, came from, it was, it's been years now, so I almost don't even want to talk about it because Corey, we're, we're so new life now together. We're blood now together. But Corey came from the International House of Pancakes a few years ago. <laughs> Keep screwing that up. <laughs> Internet, IHOP, International House of, of Prayer, Mike Bickle, um, and uh, came to us three years ago, three and a half years ago. Um, one of our main worship leaders, one of the most silkiest vocals you've ever heard, and just such an inspiration. Um, has written many uh, songs in the prayer room way back when, and then being at a uh, living here at New, in New Life in Colorado Springs has been writing con- more congregational songs. Not, not that his other songs weren't congregational, but they had like seven or eight sections because when you do a prayer meeting, it's like eight hours long. You know, you got to have, you got to have something to fill that time. Um, but uh, anyway, Corey's, he's become a brother to me and I love him so much. And, um, and uh, he, I was just telling him the other day that him and his wife, Anna, is, have they came three and a half years ago and just were such a beautiful reminder from the Lord for us to um, just to get back to even ministering to the Lord. Um, they have just such a gift for that. You know, we could get so lost in ministering to people that we actually stop ministering to the Lord. And uh, Corey's been such a great reminder of that. So it's Corey Esbury. Jason Ingram is, uh, is a total legend, to use an Australian term. Um, I, I, we've known each other for a number of years now, but I still am just so honored to, to know you, Jason. And, uh, Jason is, um, he's behind so much of these amazing corporate songs that are, you see released through Passion, through Hillsong, um, through our stuff. Um, like every song we did this morning. Like every song we did this morning. Yeah. Um, and, uh. I personally, when you guys have the mic, you can talk for yourselves personally, but since I have the mic, I'm going to talk about me personally, not, not trying to sound like a narcissist, like everything filters through me, but um, for Jay, uh, Jason, w- one of the greatest gifts to me in the songwriting was, has been Jason, and um, because um, I'm here to church in, in Colorado Springs, and um, I don't know, you, even living in a church, you can get lost on what it is you're doing. And I, would, I went to Nashville the first few times to hang out with Jason, and, and he would continually pull me back and just to love the church through song and continually remind me to, to love the congregation through song. And um, so that's a pastoral thing. And then on top of that, to have written what he's written and been a part of what he's been a part of, and he's never pursued his own name and all that stuff, and you, you, the songs that he's been a part of. So the fact that you're here, Jay, is just a, it's a dream come true for me personally. Back to me. Um, and uh, you'll get a chance later to talk about what you think of me. <laughs> so anyway, just... Such rich, uh, I use the word lightly, but, uh, but firmly, anointing with these guys. 
and their commitment to the church, commitment to writing songs for the church, their commitment to filling the mouths of the people of God with truth. As the thunder roars, let it be so. Amen. Um, so I, you guys have heard enough from me. I want to hand it off to these guys. I'm going to feed, I'll feed some questions just to get us rolling, but I mainly want you to hear their hearts. And the only thing I'd ask you guys is, is as you're, you know, expressing your hearts, but also, and then to fill it in with some practical things as well, because I know whenever we've opened these things up for Q&A and stuff like that, it's an, it's, people are also kind of like, hey, any habits, any, you wake up at 7 a.m. and write, do you do this then, are you disciplined with this, it's just when you feel like it, just any little, little nuggets, you know, that could help, but um, our conviction with songwriting and what, what good is it, um, why do it, is, um, we believe in collaboration with the Lord. We believe that we are in his workmanship. That is like it says in Ephesians 2. We believe in partnering with God for his purposes. And he's a creator. He creates something from nothing. And here we are as songwriters with an opportunity to create something out of nothing. And I've been with all these guys when there's songs that have been written. And we're really excited about We feel like the Lord might have just breathe something and it's hard to even fathom it it's just the greatest it's euphoric to be honest and I think one of the reasons it is is yes we're bent that way personality wise but I think one of the reasons is because we really feel like we're tapping into a partnership with the Lord to declare his coming kingdom and um, John 1 is a big thing for us John the Baptist is out in the wilderness just he's baptizing people and they send out these leaders and who are you and he's are you Elijah no are you the are you the savior no are you this no 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 well who are you and he says I'm I'm the I'm a voice crying out in the wilderness prepare a way for the Lord and um, I think songs are our vo- a voice, you know, and w- there's voices and echoes, and we echo the songs that were written and established years ago, sometimes many, uh, hundreds of years ago, and, but who's, who's the voice now that will write something for the next generation to echo? And we want to be, as songwriters, we have, we want to be John the Baptist, wild, crazy, out in the fields, wearing animal skin his clothing and just be a voice crying out to prepare a way for the Lord that's all we are you know and songwriters are not the Christ they're not this they're not that they're just a voice crying out in the wilderness prepare a way for the Lord so that's that's the I just want to say that so that's kind of be a spirit of what this is and what we're going to talk about and um and hope that some of this would encourage you as songwriters and as creators I mean we're all made in the image of Christ we all have that ability to be his workmanship and to write for our churches and our congregations. Um, so I just, I don't really want to, I mean, I have questions and stuff like that, but can one of you just say hello and um, talk? Because we talk all the time and you guys are always oozing with passion for this topic. So instead of making it too strict, I'll start with you, Mia. Just say hello and talk. <laughs> Hello and talk. Um, hello. Well, yeah, that's, that's nice of you to say hello back. Um, well, it's such a privilege to be here. I love this church and I love these people. Um, I've been friends with the Egan's for a long time um, and I'm really obsessed with their children. 
because um, they're really cute. They just look like mini Johns. Like they're really cute. <laughs> I love a pet human. They're the best. Um, so, um, songwriting. Um, I don't know. This might be for someone in the room. Um, I wasn't good at songwriting. When I started out, I was terrible. Like beyond terrible. Um, my first song was a rap song when I was 16. I thought it was really good. It was called Praise Revolution and it was like really cutting edge. And I didn't play any instruments that were useful to like um, writing songs. I played the euphonium, which is like a small tuba. So unless you're Larry the Cucumber, that doesn't really help you with songwriting. Um, so I, my story is really a story of like perseverance. And I, and I love how God will, he will give you something that's too great for you to to work towards and something that's too great for you so that you don't become so full of yourself that you start thinking that it's to your credit when it's not. Um, and I love as well though, like, you know, so many of us want to get those, like, you know, people say like, well, come up to me and like, they'll say, and I'm, I'm maybe about to offend everybody here, but people come up to me and say, well, God gave me this song and like told me to give it to you to give to like Michael W. Smith. And I'll say, no. And, 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 you know, and I think, like, well, if God's told you that, then, like, then let him make a way, you know? And, and I've found that, like, there are, for, the, for all the songs that come, like, you know, just, like, by the Spirit and, like, you feel like they just came straight from heaven and fell in your lap, there's so many that don't come that way. And there's so much of, like, the journey that is about stewardship. And I've found that, like, when you be a really good steward of one thing, God will multiply it over and over and over and over again. And I think that's, that, like, reflects his glory as well, that, like, you know, you, you, you're a steward of one thing and it multiplies and it multiplies. So for anyone out there whose, like, first song has been a rap song and it's terrible, um, I would say, like, one thing, you know, that I, I've seen true in my own story is that um, it's a really good thing to have to lean on God and to just be a good steward of one thing and, um, and don't be discouraged. You know, so much of, of writing songs because it feels so personal is, you know, being willing to bring it to other people and be willing to like hear that it's not good and it needs work and to not be offended, you know, like it's your choice to be offended. Like we'd love to think it's other people like that are offending us, but it's our choice to be offended, you know, and like, but being, having a teachable heart and just going, yep, actually maybe that can be better and going away and like working on it and doing the work because God is in the moment of inspiration and he's in the work, but to not get discouraged. And I'm telling you, like, Perseverance is usually the decider of like, of the dream, really. Yeah. So. Jay, my my man. Yes. Hello, Say everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Mia brings enough comedy for. She she should talk really. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so just songwriting, like, you guys, this is a songwriting class of, of sorts, a songwriting hang. Um, you know, I, I, could talk, I could talk to you about songwriting for a long time, and there's some practical things I, would, I hope that we can get to. Um, but maybe just to begin, um, for me... Um, I have I have several different stories. I'm trying to weed through which what what I might share. I th I think the most recently for me, um, it's I, I had a couple pivotal uh, 
seasons in my life where I was trying to, you look at songs and, and we're, we're all writers and in this room, this is an intimidating amount of songwriters. And then, and we're just gathered in one room and, and then there's songwriters in the city next to us and the church is there and the city's next to them. And, and I spent a lot of years really f- wanting to contribute songs to the church and, uh, but feeling like, why would God use me? And, um, and also feeling like why there's so many good songs out there and there's so many talented people. Maybe it was just my own sort of self-preservation, but I kept, I kept sort of looking at the situation and saying, well, the, the world doesn't need my songs. God doesn't need my songs. The church at large doesn't need my songs. And I, um, I wrestled with that for quite a long time because what I really wanted, my heart was to really contribute songs to the church. Um, I've want, since, since I was, um, when I was 16, I, I was a pastor's kid and I was kind of like the, in my family, I was the, I was the, the, as much of a black sheep can be at 16. And um, I was uh, really struggled with my, with, with that my dad was a pastor and church and God and, and um, really denied him uh, uh, most early on through my teenage years and was, it was really hard on my family. And uh, I gathered around, uh, I lived in Santa Cruz, California, a little beach town and um, some people were gathering around some campfires and I kind of wanted to learn guitar. I was a uh, new, I was playing piano, but I wanted to learn some guitar. And, and so I found this group that was gathering around campfires and they were singing these vineyard songs. And I didn't care about the vineyard songs, but I, I wanted to learn the four chords. And so I took a little guitar down there and started singing, started playing these vineyard songs. And God used worship to reach me. And he used worship music to unlock my heart to him. He used worship to draw me near to him and, and he used worship to draw near to me. And so it's been sort of the life-sustaining, it's been a life-sustaining act in my life ever since then. And, um, and so I got into music and I, I got into songwriting and I started having a, a, a good deal of success as a songwriter with, with things like radio. And, but the, the thing I always wanted, the, the dream I had over my life was to walk in the back of a church someday and hear people singing something to the Lord that I got to be a part of penning. And um, I had just about given up on it. I'm 41, and six years ago, I had just about given up on it, six and a half years ago. And um, I was really wrestling with the Lord, and I was bringing for the Lord the desire of my heart, what I felt like God had wired me up to do with my life, and it, and it hadn't happened. I hadn't had that experience. And I know it's kind of a funny way to describe, this is what I want, God, but it's what I wanted. I wanted to walk in the back of a church at some point in my life and hear people singing something that God let me be a part of writing. And so I took that to the Lord once again and um, in, packaged in, but there's so many songs and there's so many, songwriter, so many songwriters, you just don't need me. And... I heard this still small voice of the Lord say, yep, and 
<laughs> Truth. So, um, but I want them. And it just kind of unlocked things for me. And it kind of stripped away that like, it doesn't matter that there's a thousand other songs out there. And it doesn't matter that there's people more talented than me. It doesn't matter that there's people more connected than me. Uh, what matters is that there's, this is, there's a song on my heart to sing to the Lord. And he wants that song. He, he wants it. He doesn't need it. It doesn't add anything to him. You know, um, there's a million people that could step in my shoes any day. Um, but God wants my song and he wants your song. And so hopefully that's a bit of encouragement to you. I, I really, I really believe that God wants your song. And, um, and so some, but sometimes we, we, we don't press in because this is intimidating. Even coming into a room like this can be intimidating because it's like if there was four of us, you'd be like, yeah, sweet. Like four of us can write songs, you know, but it's like, well, it's a, it's a lot of songs, right? But um, God, there's songs being sung right now by the stars and the heavens and the mountains and the oceans and all the galaxies. And yet the, the song that God most wants to hear is the one that's on your heart and the one that's on your heart. And I just, I love that. I love that about God. And I love, I love that when we really dig into that, that we start writing to a God who's inexhaustible and he's unexaggeratable. And it's what a privilege, you know? So. Beautiful. Corey, tell us a little bit about yourself and your songwriting journey. Yes, sir. My name's Corey. Hi. Good to see you guys. That was beautiful, man. You get me all tender. <laughs> I don't want to talk now. <laughs> yeah, so I, I love songwriting because I love Jesus. And for me, the primary way that I connect with him is via song, is whether it's songwriting or just sitting down at my piano or hopefully Jason's Yamaha or my guitar, you know, and just singing to the Lord. That's the primary way that I communicate with the Lord. I'm not an amazing theologian. I'm not a brilliant mind that sits down and studies and just goes nuts on fire for God. I grab my guitar and I sing to him and that's when my heart ignites. That's when my heart gets set on fire. And so that's the primary way that I communicate with him. And in, uh, in the beginning years of my time at IHOP, I, I really just got saved at IHOP. I, you know, I said I was saved when I was five, but like didn't walk with the Lord until 19. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Yeah, there you go. I knew there was some of y'all in here. I felt it. <laughs> you know, so I really got saved uh, when I moved to the Inter International House of Pancakes uh, at age 19. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I started studying the Bible just a little bit because I always thought that, you know, worship was just something you did at the beginning of the service. And it was, you know, some of the songs are cool. I used to love singing, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble? I love that. I had no idea what it meant. Zero clue what the heck that song meant. But I, it moved me. I knew it moved me. And so I started studying the Psalms, especially in the life of David. And I went, wow, this guy was a man who was defined by God as a man after his own heart. And all he did throughout the Psalms is 
in my language, he just whined to God, meaning like, why have you forsaken me, blah, 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 you know, blah, blah, I'm sinning all over the place, but I'm coming back and I'm repenting, you know, Psalm 51, we've all read it, you know, I've sing that one just about every night, <laughs> you know, but all throughout the Psalms, he whines and then he praises, he thanks, you know, the entire gamut of emotions is found in the Psalms, and I went, oh, wait, I can connect with God that same way that David does. And it unlocked something inside of me. And I just began to sing. I'd grab my guitar and I'd just sing. You know, whether it was in the valley or on the top of the mountain, whatever it was, I just sang to him and uh, started to write some songs. And they weren't good by any means. <laughs> Trust me. You know, like, yeah, right. <laughs> they weren't good, promise. Um, and I <laughs> thank you. John's like, no, no, no. I'm familiar with this guy. <laughs> I started to write some songs, and, and I started to lead some of them uh, at the House of Prayer. And people come up to, oh, that's amazing. And I went, oh, wow, like this could be a vehicle to the church to get people to fall in love with Jesus the same way that I did when I wrote this song. Like this could really work. And so that was uh, my journey into songwriting now. And, and basically it's just me sitting down at the piano or my guitar and whining at God, and then hopefully something great comes, and then John goes, hey, maybe you should tweak this and this and this so it's not heresy, and then maybe we'll do it at church. You know, so that's It's just that's a suggestion. <laughs> that's actually a good segue um, to a question. Um, what does it look like? Maybe me, you could start, start um, the answering of this question, but the, what does it look like to write songs for the church? Um, there's a a million avenues you can go with writing songs and you know you you go to, I mean you guys are live in Nashville you could just you go on a certain street and every 10 feet there's another a bar with a new sound of something coming you know there's that there's all kinds of what does it look like to you I mean you're leading worship every week at the belonging at an actual at a local church where the same group of people essentially are showing up what's that look like to you well um, I always think it's funny when people say like they want to write songs for the church and I say cool where do you go to church and they're like oh I'm not really into church at the moment I'm like kind of just like doing my own thing with me and Jesus and I think well that's cool but I think you have to love the local church and you have to like be for it and understand that yes it has flaws because it's made up of people but committed to making it beautiful and committed to like instead of like pointing people to the right <laughs> program or the right service pointing people to Jesus you know um, one of my favorite things in the gospels um, is in John where it says like Jesus says I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit it's really good if I go because I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit and he's going to take you by the hand and lead you into all the truth that there is and he won't draw attention to himself but he'll make plain what I've said and then when I hear that, I think, like, what a great privilege. If, if there's nothing else that we do for people, like, let's take them by the hand, lead them into all the truth that there is, not draw attention to ourselves, but make plain, like, what Jesus said and, what, and who Jesus was. You know, um, so f as far as writing songs for church, for me, like, everybody has, like, something. Like, but for me, my highest goal is always accessibility. Um, I won't ever chase cool because I think cool dates really fast. Um, and I think accessibility, like, is, it wins so big because at the end of the day, I'm not writing songs for, like, the best musician in the church. Often, I'm, I'm hoping that they will love it, but I'm usually thinking about, like, 
the guy that works construction who, you know, has three kids and, you know, his wife's a stay-at-home mom and they just make ends meet and they've had a hard week and, and he comes into church and, like, needs to sing something that's going to change his situation and change his perspective and change his heart. And he needs to sing something that's going to connect him with something bigger than himself, you know. And I think, you know, my, I mean, it's hard as well. Like, my church in Nashville, like, I've never been part of a church that's just full of, like, signed musicians and like our church really is like signed musicians but even in that context I still will never go for cool because I just think it doesn't win so I always go for accessibility and like taking people that by the hand and trying to make plain what like maybe a scripture or make like you know a truth trying to make it like people have that moment where they're like wow I never thought about it like that Um, because if people understand it changes things yeah Jay I'm gonna throw it to you we we were working on a song a few weeks ago, and I, I was thinking, oh, what if we, you know, this is an idea to do it this way, like change the keys and, and the same song, and I remember you said to me, but just, man, you just think about the, think about a 16-year-old kid out there who's got a, just a guitar and a capo, <laughs> you know, and you're asking him, he's got, all he has is his G voicings, and you're asking him in the middle of the song, just move your capo, and I just love that, just thinking about, talk about accessibility, and but just to throw the question even at you, just for the church, to serve the church, mm-hmm. you know, what are some of the things that you, kind of some lanes that you want to make sure you're running in for that? Yeah, I mean, the, both of those speak to the accessibility thing, which is a, which is a big thing. Um, uh, language is a big thing. Yeah. So I think um, what I've, something I'm often thinking about when we're thinking about congregational singing in our churches is what is it, what is it that this is, can sound so simple, but what is it, what is it that we need to declare or confess, yeah. um, over our circumstances? And so, um, so, um, in a season of the church really celebrating like, man, Maybe a church did a building project, you know, and you've got this new building. And so now it's, a, it's like a season. You, you write songs about God. We look back and we see your faithfulness. We see your goodness. We see your, you know, extravagance. We, that, that might be the language or the language might be there's a lot of suffering in a church in a season. And so the, the, the language might turn into where I'm, I'm always trying to write the songs that confess what I need to believe is true yeah. when it's hard to believe it. Martin Luther said, when I can't pray, I sing. Yeah. There's something about when we can put the songs in, in, in our mouths as a church and sing them, then they, it, we, it finds its way back into our heart and we can begin to believe them again. And so in, in, in the trial, we don't need to sing about the trial. We need to sing about God's faithfulness. Yeah. You know, we need to sing about that God is a God of breakthrough, that God's a God of victory, that God's a God who overcomes. And so what is, what are the things that we need to, we need to sing so that we can believe and confess over our situation. And, and so, um, I'm always encouraging writers to think about that when they write. Yeah. And, um, and I, f- I find that really helpful. Yeah. That's great. Tell us, uh, Forever Rain. Who doesn't sing Forever Rain? Tell us a bit about that. Corey, tell us. <laughs> Sorry, the story of Forever spot. Rain is, a little, is interesting. 
in that. Um, I heard Christine Kane uh, teach once on the time, the distance between um, anointing and appointing. And I forget what she said. You might remember. It was like a 17 years. And this, in, that's not the distance, but the, she yeah. gave a couple of examples in Scripture. And this this long amount of time. And the, and the example she gave was like a 17-year example. And I, I felt when I, when I was telling you about that time when I sort of fell in love with the Lord around Campfire with Vineyard Songs, I felt like God anointed me to write songs for this church. It was 17 years between that time and Forever Rain, which is... Um, the first song that God let me be a part of that, that was that experience for me. And what was it? It ties back to the story I was telling before. Six and a half, seven years ago, six and a half years ago, I was, um, well, seven years ago, I was ready to be done. And I, I just felt like I couldn't, I had had the, the, our finances were secure. I, I had written a ton of, uh, hits on radio and um, had had a a well-awarded career, but I still had this award that I wanted, which was to walk into the back of a church and hear people singing something I wrote. And I had not had that yet. And that's really the only one I wanted. And I was really wrestling with the Lord. And I was like, Lord, I'd I'd give all this. I'd trade all this to have that. And, um, And so I took a couple months. It was kind of a random time when I was transitioning publishing deals and I wasn't writing and, um, and I was really seeking the Lord for, for this promise that I felt like he had given me. And um, at, in that two months time towards the end of it, I got a call saying there's this guy from, uh, from Hillsong who's wanting three days with three of Nashville's most successful writer producers. And so um, to hang out, it wasn't to write songs. He kind of wanted to learn some things and come back and apply them. Just have some new ways to think and help with the team that they had there. So um, I was one of three that had a day with Reuben Morgan. and, um, And we just became friends really fast and probably hung out till the middle of the night that night and just enjoyed... It just felt like I met a brother that I hadn't yet connected with. And, um, and so he came around a few weeks later and had a half a day on a Saturday. And um, we got together. And I woke up in the morning. And this songwriter thing, um, the mornings are like the, I find them to be very, we always talk about creativity at night. And that's a great time. But, but. Both, both, both ends of the day are really precious little times, you know, that the, the first and the last, you know, so, and so often I'll, tr- if I'll come into my music room is the very first thing I do. And I only need 15 minutes, you know, you don't have to have a big amount of time to just see if there's a little, a little spark or a little seed of something. And so I went into my room that morning and I thought, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, It'd be really cool to write something good with Reuben today. We only have a couple hours. And, uh, and I sat down um, on my guitar and I had all the verses Forever Rain and like as fast as I could type them out. And I didn't give it much thought. If I had, I would, I would, change, I would have changed some things, you know? Um, and, and I went in and had some coffee and then he came around 
nine or ten, and I played him these verses, and then and it led him to to just start writing and start playing what was most of the course the chorus of Forever Rain, and so that song just it just came out of us that morning really easily. Don't feel like if you've been fighting for a song for a year that it doesn't have the same power on it, um, because I could tell you more stories like that. Uh, but this was one of those where it just, it, the song just happened really quick. And, um, but this was not a season where uh, Ruben hadn't come through to write something for Hillsong, you know. And so we, we just had this song and he went home and I didn't know if we would ever do anything with it or not. And um, I hadn't really thought about it much, but I, I still kept praying like, Lord, it'd be really sweet to stand in the back of a church someday and hear something I was a part of pinning and hear your people worshiping you with it. And I got this email and it was, a, it was the, the, the time zones are very different. I was up late and I was in my room and a little email thread comes through from Ruben and says, hey, this is a board mix. We've been leading this at church and it's, it's kind of shocking us what's happening here with this song. So don't judge the recording because it's just live in the room, but wanted you to hear. And so I'm by myself standing. I'm in Franklin, Tennessee in my room by myself. I've had this prayer for 17 years and all of a sudden I'm standing in the back of Hillsong Church and I'm hearing thousands of people sing something that God let me be a part of penning. And I just was so overwhelmed at God's uh, faithfulness, you know, and, and, and also his extravagance. Because it could have been that, my, that the first answer to that prayer was, was the little Baptist church that I can throw and hit with a rock, you know. But it happened to be me by myself, but listening, standing in the back of the most influential church in the world on worship music. And I just, I, I'll never forget that moment listening to that. And, and it just con continually reminds me to say to songwriters, like, like if God's planted something in you, um, don't give up on that or him. You know, because there, there can be quite a, a season. There can be quite a, a time gap between anointing and appointing. And you just never know what God's going to do. But that forever is very significant for me because of, of uh, that. I remember um, I was still at Hillsong at the time. And I remember we often didn't do co-write. Like, they, we didn't do other people's songs. Like, if it wasn't written within Hillsong Church, if it was an outside writer, we often didn't do it. And it was one of the first songs that you know, anyone ever bought that had an outside writer on it. And I remember, like, even though the church is a church where, like, yeah, they'll grab a hold of the songs, this was a song that was, like, a game changer for church. Like, everybody got it straight away. And I remember Jason came over to Hillsong Conference that year, and I, I remember the look on your face. Like, we're standing, like, you know, in, a, in an auditorium with 40,000 people, and they start singing, you are good, you are good when there's nothing good in me, you know? And I just thought, like, how cool is that? Like, I didn't know that side of the story, so. Crazy. Cool. <laughs> um, since we're, can you tell us, Jason, 
since, since you have us all eating out of your hand like pigeons. <laughs> have you guys heard his, uh, Jay's new song, Even So Come, Like a Bride Waiting for Her Groom, Will Be a Church, Ready for You. Um, just, just yeah. keep rolling, bro. Yeah, yeah. So that one, we were talking about song stories. And, and again, to encourage you, um, there are... There are most songs, most song stories go like this. And hopefully, let me say this ahead of time, you do need to collaborate and you do need to calendar your, your writing. I always tell people, if your calendar doesn't tell me you're a songwriter, you're not a songwriter. Mm-hmm. So um, great. your calendar better say you're a songwriter and collaborate. So that being said, most songs happen this way. I have a, I have a calendared collaborative write scheduled on Tuesday at 9.30. And we slogged it out, and now we have a song. That's how most, that's the story behind most songs, okay? It doesn't get much, it's, there's not like a mountaintop, like God woke me up in the middle of the night, and there was this mountain that appeared, and we went up there, and I came down, and 10,000 Reasons was born. <laughs> Uh, so just know a lot of it's just just hard work that I want to I thought I might just as an encouragement again with that that like staying faithful and never knowing what God's going to do with something he's given you even so come as a really uh, beautiful testimony for that so I had um, there's a guy named Jess Cates who's a um, he's had a he's had a pretty good pop career in Southern California writing like top 40 radio songs, but he, he really loves Jesus so much. And, and, and in the season where he was having um, a good run as a, as a writer in LA for top 40, he was serving at a little church and leading worship. And they went through, and he, he also, like me, had a real desire to write songs for his church. And uh, they went their church did a Daniel fast. And so they went through like 40 days where they're fasting and like leaning to the Lord and asking for fresh, fresh revelation. And, and Jess thought, well, this is going to be an awesome, fruitful time for me as a songwriter this fast, you know, I'm just going to be leaning into the Lord. I'm going to be writing all these songs and they're going to be powerful and awesome. And, and so he tried every day and wrote, wasn't able to write any songs for 40 days. And, um, Bro- they they broke the fast at the end of forty days, and um, there was he was going to lead at church the following Sunday, and uh, he started uh, in a spontaneous time with the church started singing most of what is the chorus of Even So Come, and um, it, and it just unlocked something in the room, and uh, was really like a. a sparked a several year revival for this little church in, in Hollywood. And, um, but as time goes, like little song ideas like that kind of just, you know, they had, it had its moment at this little church and changed a lot of things, but it would never went beyond that little church. 10 years later, um, I have become friends with Jess and Jess has gone through some hard times. He had some really unfortunate, uh, some, he got ripped off by a mainstream publisher that 
most of the money that he would should have made, he didn't get. Um, things were things were pretty rough, and he ended up back in Nashville um, with all the success, but not the not the fruit of it. And um, but just a beautiful guy, and just still his heartbeat. If you meet him for five minutes, you're like, gosh, you just love the church, man. And um, so Jess and I had become friends, and we had written written once or twice, and um, Chris Tomlin asked if I, because we've been writing now for these passion projects for about six years, and again, we were writing for this one that was this, this last January, and he, he said, hey, do you, uh, we had a couple days, he's like, maybe, maybe one of these days we should have someone else sort of just join us to kind of mix it up, and he listed a couple people that we always write with, and it's amazing, amazing writers. And he said, unless there's somebody else you think might should, might could maybe come in and mix it up a little bit, just the, you know, create, creative process. And I instantly, like, Jess Cates was just like, right on my mind. And just out of the blue. I hadn't even seen him in a while. And, but I just, I felt Jess Cates. And so I said, well, there's this guy, Jess Cates. And Chris is like, great, let's do it. So, um, so Jess comes over and we're talking and having coffee. And then as we're about to start writing, Jess is like, I had this thought last night. I have this song and I just, it came to me last night. I sensed that maybe the Lord um, wanted this for this time. And so I don't know if it's weird, it's a 10 year old idea. Um, and it's language that the church really isn't using right now. And so he shared it with us. And Chris opens up, he's, and it's like a bride waiting for her groom. We'll be a church ready for you. Um, every heart longing for our king. And um, so Chris opened up his binder, and about six months earlier, he had written the title, Come Lord Jesus. And he just, he felt pressed from the Lord that we need this language in the church. And so we just were like, Yes, we have to do this. Like the early church was singing. The early church, all they were talking about is like, God's coming back. God's coming back. Are you ready? Are we ready? Is the church ready? He's coming back. It could be any minute. And we've just completely stopped. And um, so there's a need for a lot of songs that remind the church to look up um, right now. And so we've got one and, and it's called Even So Come. And it was just beautiful to see it then go to passion and me to get to stand next to Jess and just see that what Mia saw in me when I was at Hillsong hearing you are good. I got to sit next to Jess and go and, and know that like it's a 10 year old song that was sitting in your world and with all that you've come through God God planted the seed then and you would have had no idea that life would orchestrate itself in such a way that 10 years later you are with Chris Tomlin and we're you know what I mean and the, and the idea comes out then and then it's and then, and it was for now and it was obvious that it was for now because the first time I heard that song led at passion it was like yeah, this was for now. This was no accident. Yeah. And, um, but the, the start of it is 10 years before. I have a memory of being um, in the, at the Ryman Auditorium 
while United was uh, leading worship, and I was back with the guy who's running the lyrics, uh, Scott, Scotty, uh, yeah. And this song started up, and he's like, oh, have you heard this song? And uh, I said, it was, it was brand new. He's like, it's blowing up in our church right now. And uh, he's like, Pastor Brian says, it's the next shout to the Lord. You know, which is, it didn't end up it happening, did, well, but well, it's okay. So, <laughs> but the song is Save Your King. You guys remember that song, Save Your King? So that's a Mia and Marty Sampson. Sorry, I, we didn't, I didn't prep you or anything like that, putting you on the spot. But we sing that song. Can you give us a bit about that? Save yeah. Your King. And then, you know, my name, stuff like that. Um, um, not for a moment. I can talk about how songs. I ripped off. Not for a moment. Whenever I talk about not for a moment, like Meredith tells the beautiful side of the story and I talk about the side of the story where I just ripped off one of Jason's songs yeah. um, that I heard, but I'll tell that in a second. Um, so you guys think I'm joking, I'm not. Um, so, um, so Savior King, um, I was at an integrity retreat with the Desperation guys, um, with Carrie Job and Paul Balosh. And, like, it felt like God began to unpack a lot of stuff at that retreat. Like, it was kind of the retreat where I sort of started to get a heart for co-writing. But I remember um, Paul Balosh was on stage singing um, Your Name. Like, your name is a strong one. And, and that, I don't know why, but that song just ministered to me so much because I feel like the name of God is a safe place. And it's funny when you get in a safe place how it kind of disarms things and you can just kind of pour your heart, heart out. And so I just get this bit of paper out and I start writing these lyrics down, like, let now the weak say I have strength um, by the spirit of power like that raised Christ from the dead. Let now the poor say I'm blessed. I don't even remember the words. Uh, this is a song from a long time ago. Um, but, like, you know, start writing down all these lyrics, you know, um, in... And then I fold up the piece of paper and I give it to Carrie because I didn't have pockets. Um, I was think it was in, like, early 2000s, like, so I, it was, like, ugly pants with no pockets. Um... And so I give the piece of paper to Carrie and I say, don't lose this. And she was like, okay, cool, cool. And then um, I get the bit of paper later and, and, I, and I'm going back to my room. And to be honest, I felt like so fearful going back to my room. And in hindsight, I, I, like I realised that, you know, whenever you like um, are bringing something that's going to change things and you have to believe that like songs change things and your confession changes things, then there's going to be some sort of attack, you know. And I remember feeling really fearful and I, and I think it was because I was pushing against something, you know, like in the spirit, which sounds very spiritual. Then I took the lyrics home to church and um, we were writing for a new United album. And I had this other song that was completely finished and I took it to, to Joel and he was like, yeah, great, cool. Um, and then Marty and I, I Marty was sitting in the mother's room at church, which like smells like diapers and like, um, but it has a piano in there for some reason. And, um, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so it has a, piano, has a piano in there for some reason. So Marty goes, do you have anything like, that you're working on? And I said, oh, I've got these lyrics um, that I love. So I opened the piece of paper. It was still the same crumpled piece of paper. And, and he just starts playing and starts singing like, let now the weak say I have strength. And so we end up having these verses all the way up into the chorus, but we don't have a chorus. Um, and then... We're in a, you know, a rehearsal for, for the new United album and, um, and I'm stoked about the other song that I finished and Joel's like, Joel scraps, like Marty plays like the verse to, the, to this hymn thing that we're writing and Joel scraps my other song completely and I'm so angry because I'm like, but it's finished. He's like, no, like the hymn is amazing. Finish that hymn. And I was like, oh, like so annoyed. 
I'm so glad that he scrapped the other song because in hindsight, the other song was crap. Um, and so we went back and forth. Marty comes back with a chorus and, and the chorus goes, we love you, Lord, we worship you. You are our God, you alone are good. And I was like, are you joking? Like, we said like, let now the weak say I have strength by the spirit of power that raised Christ from the dead. Then we're gonna say, we love you, you're good. Like, that's just boring. Like, and, um, and so we kind of went back and forward on the lyric and we had all these lyrics that we loved. So we just kept all of them and did four choruses. And, um, and actually, to be honest, it did something in our church and it really, and it worked, you know? So we just kind of left it at that. And for a long time, we just called the song The Hymn. And um, it really wasn't until they needed a title for the album that we called it Saviour King. But now every time I hear Saviour King in a song together, I think I coined that. <laughs> I have, I've used it, Saviour King. And then not for a yeah. moment. Um, so we were... Um, up in Atlanta um, for Matt Redman's um, album recording. And it was, I mean, every song felt like amazing, but there was like a couple of songs, like 10,000 Reasons was one of the songs. But to be honest, for me, the song that like impacted me the most was um, Never Once. Uh, and I remember, um, can, can I just say like, be a fan of what everybody else is doing. Be a fan of the church. Don't be one of those music snobs that's just like, oh, like what we do is the coolest thing on the planet and like everything else is less cool than us. And so like, sorry that you're almost there, but we're all the way there. Like, sorry, <laughs> don't you know, we do young and free at my church, so we're on the cutting edge. Well, that's just silly because like the, the Holy Spirit speaks the language of the future. So if you're listening to what he's saying and you're like partnering with that, then you're always gonna be on the cutting edge whether it has like cool like electro pop synth stems or not, you know? Um, so anyway, we're at this, at this um, recording and, and Matt comes out and sings, you know, never once do we ever walk alone. And like I go to sing it and you know you have those moments where like you just have a lump in your throat because you're like, oh my gosh, I can't sing this, but I want to sing this. But it's like really speaking to me because I think that's something that the church needs to hear and people need to hear over and over again is that you're not alone, you're not alone, you're not alone. And, um, and you haven't been and you won't be. And I remember being like, this is amazing. This is my favorite song. I'm eventually going to be able to sing this without crying. But for the moment, I'm going to cry. And, and I remember walking out and like thinking, wow, what a song. If I was going to write that song, I wonder how, what, what would I say? And I thought, I would probably not say never once. I would probably, if it was coming through my filter, I'd probably say not for a moment. And so I just wrote down that little like idea. And, um, and then I got together in a room. The first time I wrote with Meredith and Jacob, um, kind of came in and, and I said, I've got this kind of idea. It's, it's just the idea of not for a moment, like, will you forsake me? And Jacob started playing this thing. And I'm telling you, like, not every song happens like this, but Jacob started playing this, like, part. And Jacob's very good at, prof like, prophetically playing. It's like he had, like, stores up these prophetic ideas and then plays it down, you know? And so he starts playing this idea and, and we just start, just start singing these verses and then, like, Meredith will jump in and it just fits, you know? And, and it became a song, like, to be honest... It was like a little bit of like a, if you would think it was a babysitter's club because we're all just in the room crying, like being like, oh, it's so beautiful, yes, Lord. Um, so yeah, but like, I mean, and then it became a song that to be honest, I needed for the next season. I was about to walk out and they needed for the next season they were about to walk out, you know, like um, 
after all, you're constant. After all, you're only good. After all, you're sovereign. Not for a moment will you forsake me. You know, but truthfully, it's like a plagiarised version of Never Once. So... <laughs> a funny memory just came to me. The first time I ever wrote with Jason, I was... Um, I had known Mia for a while longer and somehow Jay and I got hooked up and was going out to his studio and it was... Um, I was nervous, so, so nervous. I was sitting in my rent car in his driveway, about to go to his music room. And I, I figured I'd, I'd kiss up a little bit, so I got some coffees from Starbucks. And, because uh, it's as good as we get around Colorado Springs to Starbucks, so I thought, Starbucks. Come to find out there's amazing places in Nashville. But I, it was raining outside. <laughs> so I go, and I'm so nervous. I was doing the whole self-talk, you know, be cool. You were you know. kind, you were smart. You Be cool. Important. You deserve this. <laughs> you deserve this. <laughs> You've heard this one, man. You belong here. You belong here. <laughs> and cause, because I, I didn't feel any of that, right? So bring my coffees and knock on the music room, and he opens the door, sweet and kind like he is. And, and there's two steps that go down to his root music room. <laughs> And my boots were wet. <laughs> Two coffees. I didn't totally fall, but full on, full on slip. About to give him a hug. So I just looked to the heavens. I was like, thanks, thanks, Lord. Thanks. You know, thanks for that. We just talked about being cool. You know, um, so that happens. And then we end up getting to know each other and connecting and start talking about the Lord. And, and he goes, oh, you, I want to show you a song that I just got back from, from Mix, and it was never once. So I started to calm down from my nerves at hanging out, and then he shows me never once, which is the, just this amazing song. He cranks it up in the studio, and you'd think I'd start crying because it was so powerful and anointed, but I didn't. I just said, oh, crap. You know, this is, how am I supposed to write with this guy after he just showed me that song, which he wrote with Matt Redman, you know? And, uh, but that, that was the bar. You know, I thought, wow, that's a bar song. Not a bar, like a drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bar song. <laughs> you but know maybe, what I mean. Maybe, Never <laughs> It's a good, <laughs> it's a, it's, a it's going to be a great bar song. Um, but yeah, anyway, these guys, just they, that's what they do. They raise the bar. Uh, anyway, funny story about Never Once. Uh, Corey, give us a little bit of uh, context. We, did, we sang a song this morning. It's a brand new song called Son of God. We worked on that together. And uh, it looks like, I don't know if it's 100%, but uh, it might be recording that in the next Bethel Live project, that song. So we don't, yeah, we don't know for sure, but it's pretty, it's 100, that's, which is pretty sure. Uh, uh, I ain't no mathematician. But, uh, no, it's 100. Yeah. 100. Um, stoked about that. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, the song actually, it came to me during, like I said, one of those times I just had my guitar. It was the afternoon. My kids were screaming and I was like, babe, you handle them for a second, <laughs> which I don't know if the Lord honors that or not, but apparently he does because he set this in my lap. I started singing the chorus. Uh, it actually was not the same words or same concept at all. At first it was, I lift my hands, you lift my soul. I lay my life down, you make me whole again. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. 
<laughs> toot my own horn there in the, in the afternoon, you know. But I was like, man, I feel the Lord on this. This feels really right. Uh, I got to do something with this. And I, I knew, this sounds really weird and over-spiritual, but I knew in the moment it would be like my first good song. <laughs> sounds weird. Like first, like, you know, good kind of song that the, that the church would sing. And I was like, man. This is cool. I got to do something with this. So I brought it to John and I was actually kind of discouraged at first. I said, Hey man, listen to this song. What do you think? And he goes, that sounds like the verse. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> you just called my chorus the verse. Like <laughs> I, I hate when people do that. <laughs> Why would you do me like that? I was like, man, it, it felt so chorusy, dude. Like, didn't you feel that with me? And uh, he's like, now that's the verse for sure. I was like, okay, all right, let's, let's seek that out. So <laughs> I was hurt. I, I'm just now telling him this, so. No kidding, man. I'm just kidding. Hugs, hugs. Uh, so, yeah, we, we worked on it, and we went one direction completely. It was not 1D, but we went in one direction. <laughs> and uh, it was just a, it was completely different from where it landed thematically. And it wasn't wrong. It just wasn't right. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? There's this interview with Justin Bieber where he says it's wrong, right? And it's the goofiest thing I've ever heard, but watch it later. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't wrong, but it wasn't right. Sorry. Um, and so I took it to Nashville. I met up with Jason. It's the first time we ever connected. And thankfully, I didn't fall down the stairs like John. It was a little smoother. <laughs> um, but we connected, and that was, was that the first? That was the first one we worked on. And I said, bro, listen to this. What do you think? I showed it to him, and he goes, oh, I love those verse, verses. That's not the chorus, <laughs> basically how it went. <laughs> like, that is not the chorus. And it was a chorus that John and I had kind of done together. So I was like, dang it, people scrapping my chorus again. Like, what is this? This is messed up, man. You got a vendetta. Um, so we, I was like, okay, sure, you're, you're the guy, man. Like, you know what you're doing. I'm listening to you. So we just started messing with some stuff, and he started playing the melody. I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. That feels right. <laughs> there, there it is. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> no, he starts playing that melody, and we came up with the first couple lines and then started messing around with something else during the verses, and this other melody came out, and it was real, a real tender time. Um, kind of you could feel the, the tangible presence of the Lord in the room and real sweet time, and then we ended up, I mean, pretty naturally just finishing that chorus um, with some language that we felt like was right for the church that was singable but also felt new. Um, landed it, brought it back here, and started doing it at church, and we were like, wow, this, this works, huh? Like, people are really singing this. And then uh, Brian and the Bethel crew, they're like, we love this one, so we're going to do it on the next record. So that's the story, man. That's it. Yeah. Um. I love, okay, so like I love what Corey said about like it felt good, like this feels right or like, you know, you said like you're like, you know, playing like some ideas and you're like, man, this feels like it's like really from God. Um, uh, songwriting is so much about developing your instincts and if you have bad instincts, you're always going to back bad ideas and then you're going to be disappointed when people push back on the, on the bad idea um, because you're not going to recognise it's a bad idea. So like can I um, encourage you that like good songwriters are good readers and good listeners and they like they know how to um, be a music appreciators and music um, analyzers um, why does the song work 
what's great about it, you know, what's great about the melodies, what's great about the lyric. And then on the other side, um, developing your instincts like prophetically and like, like knowing how to hear the Holy Spirit. Because I think it's one thing to be like, man, this feels like a God idea. But you know how you'll know it's a God idea is when it doesn't, when you're not, your own desire for it to succeed isn't muddied up in the idea. Because I think that's, it's really hard to be like, man, this feels like a God idea. Or is it that? Or is it this, I really want this idea to work. My, my own desire for like this to work is coming out, you know? Um, and usually I've, I don't know about you guys, but I've found like the ideas that feel like God ideas, like I, like my own desire for it to succeed is usually not like muddied in the process. So can I encourage you like develop your instincts, like listen to the Holy Spirit and develop your instincts, listen like as a songwriter and as a song appreciator and as a fan of songs, you know, because if you, if you have bad instincts, you're going to back bad ideas and it's going to be a very frustrating process for you as a songwriter because you'll be continually guessing instead of just knowing how to how to make something better and knowing how to fix something. You know, there's nothing sadder than when someone brings something that's like, Jesus is king, we bring him everything, we just want to sing, you're an offering, like, and then, and then like, and then like people are like, yeah, ding, and then here's the chorus, bing, bing, bing. Um, but truly like, I mean truly, like I, I sit in like, you know, I, I will like, go to conferences and like sometimes they'll do like this songwriting analysis things and pe- and it's hard because people bring their heart but they haven't developed their instincts about about music and songs you know and so they'll bring their heart and they want you to love their heart but you have to analyze the song not like their feelings you know and so because your feelings feel like they're wrapped up in it it's like you know giving me a really beautifully wrapped present that has like poop inside you know I don't know <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know why I said that but basically it's like <laughs> but basically develop your develop your instincts because then if I if I come back to you <laughs> please don't tweet that everyone's always tweeting the most out of context terrible things that I say Develop your instincts because if, if, if you bring your heart, that's beautiful. But if you bring your heart with really good instincts and, like be, and marry the two, like you're going you're gonna to have way more wins and it's going to be a less frustrating journey for you as a writer. Can I give one more quick thought on that? Just practically. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jesus. Your accent made it that much better. I mean, it was just, it dialed it up a couple notches. Uh, the thing that I was talking about, John said, hey, that's not your chorus. And then Jason said, hey, that's not your chorus. I've found that you really have to be unoffendable in yeah. songwriting. It's, it's huge. Um, and so, you know, my wife brings me songs. She's been songwriting a lot more lately, which I'm really happy and stoked and proud of her. Um, but almost every time she'll play the parts and then I'll go, oh, I love when you sang that verse. And she'll go, no, that was actually the bridge. And, you know, I love all oh, that chorus. No, that was the verse. And I'm like... <laughs> Babe, like, we got to make some tweaks. And at first she was just like, don't mess with my stuff. Like, I'm inviting you in, but don't mess with it, you know? And then along the, along the journey, she's going, okay, I welcome that because I can deal with that. My heart's not going to get offended. Like you said, a lot of times it's personal. And so we go, don't touch it. It's personal. But if, you're, if you develop this unoffendable spirit, knowing that tweaks make things better, iron sharpen iron. When Jason said, hey, that's not your chorus... 
I could have gone, oh, my heart, and just kind of, you know, snuck into my little turtle shell. <laughs> but I went, no, you're a brilliant dude, and you have great ideas. Let's seek this out and see what happens. And it landed way better than it was before. So I think deeply embedded in our, in our insecurity and why we get so this about our ideas is actually, I think, deep in there is that we actually just don't have the faith that we'll have any other good ideas. Yeah. I think that... You know, if he's the well that never runs dry, I think we're going, I just came up with, this is a great idea. I can't wait to develop this with the guys. And it's like, oh. and the fear strikes of like, that was my best idea. But if you go deeper and deeper and deeper, you realize, wow, there is a plethora of ideas here. There is a lot of ideas in this well. And that's who, if we're made in his image and we tap in and we collaborate with him, he is the well that never, that never runs dry. So I would look at Look at someone not liking an idea as a big fat invitation to see what else is there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, um, uh, how long does this go? I'm just realizing I'm not very organized. 315. All right. Give us like uh, just a quick nugget. Like I, um, well, I'll just, I'll do it. I'll, by example, I'll just do it like how you begin or just a little bit of a process. Like for me, it's themes. Like I know I want you to talk about titles really bad because every time I'm with Mia, she goes, oh, I want to write a song called this. We're called this. That was my Australian. <laughs> uh, it wasn't very good. Sorry. Um, you could do American. Um, but for me, it's themes. Like my uh, iPhone or whatever just is, is notes and notes and notes on themes, you know. And uh, if I'm with Corey, or Jay, I, I want to write a song called this. Oh, I want to, I want to write this idea. I want to write this idea, just themes. I want to, and I collect themes, just like David was collecting little smooth stones, the ones that could, would really just launch, you know, and uh, yeah, at someone's head. At, <laughs> that's what we want to just launch lyrical ideas at someone's head. Uh, but it's just, you're collecting these stones, you know, so it's like I would, I would that's for me a big thing, it's, and it's constant. It's nonstop. It could be during this session. There's little, I hope, it's even happened. Oh, I want to write this. I want to write this. Our pastor said this last week. Hello. That's a song in there. Or, man, I, you know, one of the things, you know, a lot of people even look at their own life story. They ignore, when they get to a writing session, they ignore their life story. When the spirit is knocking on your head going, I've put this message in you. Yeah. Write it. Put it in a song. But you, you doubt yourself. Like, no, no, it's just good for me and, and the Lord. So now write that. Um, so themes, is a, that's just a practical uh, nugget. Stone. You, um, you go. I love that you write with themes. So Thank if, you. if John, like when John comes in, he's like, oh, Mia, I've got this great idea. It's so awesome. Like, you know, I want to write a theme about the presence of God. Is that American? Like, that was American, right? <laughs> I thought that was quite I don't know. <laughs> I'm from Colorado Springs. It's so awesome. Um, <laughs> You don't actually say awesome. So um, one of the things that I will do is like um, I often will bring titles um, because it, it for me it's like solidifying a theme and deciding like it's almost like deciding to go on a road trip but deciding which city. Like instead of deciding the state, you're deciding the city. Because I know if I go to California, I'm going to get sunshine, but I know if I go to uh, San Jose, I'm going to be able to visit Jason's family or you know what I mean like so for me it's like giving yourself a roadmap for your song because you know exactly where you're going to land and one of the things that often um, people don't think of like we get so caught up in um, melodic hooks that lots of people 
you know, singers and musicians alike rarely think of lyric hooks. And um, a lyric hook is so important because if you don't have a good lyrics, lyric hook, then your song becomes a bit forgettable. Um, you know, I've been to plenty of churches where like they'll sing a song and I'll think this is amazing. Um, the melodies are like unbelievable, the, like the way that the arrangement's fantastic. And, um, and I'll say to the person at the end, hey, what's that song you did? And they'll say, oh, it's my new song, it's called Jesus. And, um, and I'll think, cool, like, and so I'll go online and I'll search Jesus plus lyrics in like Google and guess what comes up? Like five billion hits. Like, so I think it's really good to like start, like I start with titles because number one, like it gives you a roadmap of like something to keep coming back to so you don't go off on too many tangents, but also it like helps you to go like the story is going to end up here. So then how am I going to tell the story? Um, so yeah and the other thing is it's just like you know I'm super passionate about like um, the way things sound like and, and getting good at, at you know I think you guys call it phonics here but I think we call it phonetics in Australia but like the way things sound, like sound and, and, the, and the way things rhyme um, because maybe it, it looks good on paper but it doesn't mean that it sings great you know so um, even learning how to make like not, like the musical syllables like fall where like things naturally fall like like syllable wise with like you know there's nothing worse than people like like doing like putting the wrong the emphasis on the wrong syllable like there's a reason we sing glory oh instead of glory <laughs> number one because that's just annoying and number two because it's like getting good at recognizing like where the weight needs to fall you know the same way you know, and it's, it's, it's the same with like anything, like it's nothing in, and more annoying than someone like writing a song called Jesus is the King and the song goes, Jesus is the King. Like, and you're like, wow, like you put all the emphasis on the throwaway <laughs> words, you know? So titles for me, like give, gives you a, like a roadmap or like an umbrella that everything has to come under. So. Nugget. Yeah, one quick nugget for you guys. Uh, I'm music and melody first almost every time. I hear the, the chords, I hear the melodies, and then I put the lyrics to it uh, because I found that music, to me, is one of the most powerful forces on planet Earth. Music is one of the only things you can hear it and it unlocks your heart in a way that nothing else can. You know, you listen to a piece of music. Have you ever watched a movie without the soundtrack? It's like the dumbest thing you've ever seen in your life. You know, it's just, it's so boring and unemotional. You don't even notice that there's music behind it, but it's moving you. It's unlocking your heart. And I think the Lord gave us that because he knew that it would unlock the heart. And then, like Mia said, those lyrics, those ideas, those themes can pierce the heart in a way that they wouldn't have been able to without that music. So I'm always music and melodies first. Uh, that's it. Amen. Hey, man, this is good. Whew, powerful. Hey, Jay, will you, um, after your nugget, pray for us? Yeah. Did you give a nugget? Yeah, you did give a nugget. Yeah. All right, nugget. Um, only, this is fresh in my mind because I just, I came, I hear from California, and there's a church that I met with that has been starting to write a lot of songs, and they're, they're looking to work them into their church. So we listened to a handful of songs together, and I, I realized... Um, that what was missing for them, which might 
it's just worth pointing out as a nugget. Like your lyric needs to, to um, it, it all needs to sort of communicate one thing. And I think in a lot of times in worship songs, like I was, I was just, I listened to about 10 new songs that they had written and I was so confused because it was a lot of good language, but no, no real theme. And, and I think sometimes, which, which you spoke to with theme and you spoke to with titles, both of those give you a line and, um, and just because I just listened to a bunch of songs, I thought, wow. Um, you should be able to read your lyric and go and ask him by what what's this song speaking to and then be able to sum it up real real quick and so just make sure your songs read like if someone needed to hear the song that they could just read it and you'd be communicating one one truthful thing to them so all right let's pray God, we, uh, we thank you for this time, this conference, this place, this, this, um, this room's just had a, uh, it's, it's just had a, even a great countenance to it. And I'm, we, uh, tell you with our songs and our craft that we, uh, we just open, we lay down agendas and we just, we want to bless your heart. We want to write songs that honor you and, um, and uh, we thank you for songs. We thank you for, as course said, just the, the power that uh, music has in the world. It, it, it is a very, um, it's an eternal thing that we get to taste here in the natural and um, that we get to step into that. God is just so overwhelming. And we, th we thank you that the object of our songs, we, we could write, Everyone on earth could write a song every day of their life, and we would have never said enough about you, and uh, we would have never exhausted you. We would, have, we would have never even come close to describing how great and awesome and kind and good and um, worthy you are of the songs that we sing. We thank you that when we sing, things change. Yeah. Um, and we just, we just pray your favor over the writing that will come from this time. Um, that... Um, that you would inhabit the praise of your people. And I know we often think of that just in the moment of singing, but a song that is written as your praise, you, you Holy Spirit, you can even inhabit that. And it can go beyond the room and it can go into someone's car and it, it can go into someone's circumstance that we're not even there. And so uh, we just, we pray you would inhabit the praise of your people in this room as we continue to write songs for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.